Welcome to the Life Coaching with Ryan podcast, episode four. All right, people, let's do this. So I wanted to ramble at you today about uh, the topic of the month, words, words, words. I broke uh, my interview with Jenny up into three parts, and I want to just kind of wrap it all together with a quick summary uh, of what we were basically going for. So I want to talk about labels first. Um, labels are natural. Labels are human. Labels are animal. It's just what we do in order to categorize our world. That's neither right nor wrong. Uh, it's actually quite convenient to label things, to understand them, whether it's good or bad, right or wrong, um, whether it's apple or orange. Uh, it's just natural. It's a way that we communicate our worlds to categorize and label. So there's a breadth versus a depth of labels. Labels from a breadth perspective are just convenience. It makes communication easier to have labels for things. The limitation with labels is that they don't have very much depth. So when you're seeking intimacy, when you're seeking understanding, when you're expressing individuality, labels start to break down. Sometimes we can learn by analogy because of breadth. We can understand that this is like that, and therefore it's easier to, again, communicate. There's a familiarity, like, oh, that is like me. They dress like me. Um, there is a label for that. That label is preppy. That label is goth. That label is hippie. Whatever that happens to be, there could be a familiarity with it. There could be a belonging that comes with it. At the same time, when we're talking about individuality, we hit that limit again. We can play with expectations. We can dress gothy and speak preppy. We can break norms, whether it's gender performance or whether it's speech pattern, um, language, dialogue, vernacular, vocabulary. There are ways that we play with these labels. So when we talk about labels in regards to self-talk, now we're talking about these loops that we get in our head, these ways we have that can t t to talk to ourselves that is typically self-limiting when we talk about self-talk. There's positive self-talk and negative self-talk, but I would say that for the most part, if we're talking about self-talk, it's because of negative self-talk. There's a framework that self-talk produces, a frame for our reality. How we talk to ourselves is how we perceive the world. If I believe the world is out to get me and my self-talk is, oh, so-and-so is thinking bad thoughts about me, or uh, my boss doesn't like me, or I'm a terrible person, uh, I'm lazy, I'm fat, whatever it happens to be, we've now put up a lens, a frame for every interaction that we have for every moment of our day. So we need to consider how that sets up our experiences. Now, Brooke Castillo, who I mentioned when I was talking with Jenny, uh, uses the uh, cognitive behavioral therapy model that she has simplified and made more direct to communicate with her coaching clients. So she breaks it down as CTFAR, which is circumstance, thought, feeling, 
action, result. We take a circumstance that is neutral. It simply is. We don't have control over it. That's how we define a circumstance, something we do not have control over, something that's already happened or something that is happening outside of our control. Now, it is automatic for us to have a thought about the circumstance. We may or may not be conscious of it. That's why uh, we talk about journaling, meditation, uh, anything of that nature is to increase our awareness of our thinking. We have self-talk all day long, whether or not we're aware of it. So when we start to isolate our thinking, we'll recognize that the thought I have about my circumstance is what produces my feeling. Now, sometimes we think we just jump straight to feeling. Someone says something to us and we get angry. But the fact is we had to have a thought about what the person said in order to get angry. We have to interpret, right? So I could be talking to a friend and they could say, wow, you look really cute today. And if I don't like the word cute, if let's say I have a resistance to feminine labels and I see the word cute as feminine, I might react incredibly negatively. I might jump straight to anger and not realize that I had the judgment, cute is feminine and I don't like being described in feminine terms. But if I'm not aware, if I don't have self-practice around that, I'm just angry and I say, how dare you say something like that to me? And now the other person's totally confused, yeah? Or vice versa, someone could be really angry and in my face and I could have the interpretation, oh, that person's having a bad day. I'm far less likely to be reactive to them if I'm in a space of compassion. So the thought produces the feeling. The feeling could be calm. The feeling could be anxiety. The feeling could be anger. The feeling could be joy. The feeling could be uh, a sense of uh, intimacy or belonging. So our, and then our feeling leads to acting out. So again, as I described, anger, anger might lead to yelling. It might lead to physical altercation. Uh, joy might lead to smiling or crying. It might lead to jumping up and down. It might lead to me wanting to hug the other person or share a compliment. Uh, and that leads to a result. It leads to the other person's reaction. It leads to how I act next in the world. It leads to how I might choose to build additional relationships or not build additional relationships, depending again on that action, that feeling, what comes out of it. So we have this tendency towards self-fulfilling prophecies. When I see the world in a negative light or I interpret that everything coming to me is negative, I have an, a tendency to act out. I have a tendency to re react strongly or meekly uh, to those circumstances that lead to the circumstances repeating over and over again. The circumstance becomes the result, the result becomes the circumstance, and I'm in that loop. Now, of course, there are caveats. There may be something where I feel horrible when I'm climbing a wall. <laughs> I watched uh, a friend of mine. Uh, he was, th this is in my childhood, to be clear. Uh, and this was actually the younger sibling of someone I was dating. And he one, we were at a rock climbing gym and he was climbing this wall and he was terrified. He was absolutely terrified. But he kept putting one hand above the other on the climbing wall. And part of that was because the woman who was his spot didn't give him a choice. <laughs> she just was like, keep going, keep going, keep going. And at the time I thought she was being horribly uh, discompassionate, or uncompassionate, whatever word you want to use. She was not honoring his emotional experience in her own demeanor or her actions, but she was honoring the intention of getting him up the wall. So 
in this particular instance, I wouldn't say that his feeling led directly to his action, led to the result, but I'm sure Brooke would disagree with me. She'd probably say something in line with the influence that the woman had on him or, or how he chose to have that experience. He was nine at the time. I'm not going to presume to be in his head. Uh, but I do want to leave the caveat there sometimes when we take actions and alignment with feelings that don't get the result that we want or we get a result that we want even though we took an action that seemed unrelated there's too many possibilities in the universe but right now we're talking about developing the practice of acting from what you want having the future in mind the result that you want backtracking it to the thought that's necessary in order to get that result to take the action to make that result most likely we're trying to increase the probability of having what we want so when we're talking about self-talk we're talking about altering our thinking about ourselves through practice through diligent practice i'm not talking about lying we're going to get to mantras in a minute here i'm not talking about lying to yourself i'm talking about considering alternate perspectives considering alternate thoughts that are equally true or more true they benefit us in the long run. So self-talk that becomes programmed from the outside and is automatic or uh, is triggered to awareness automatically is when I talk about a mantra, consciously programmed self-talk. A mantra can be Om Padme Hum, it can be um, Om, it can be uh, any of those types of sounds. It can be something like I described in the podcast of, I'll figure this out, I always do. That's a mantra. That's not simply self-talk, that is a conscious effort that I produced in order to have that pop into my brain. So now it's a mindless thought. It, it doesn't require me thinking about it actively. I will get find myself in a situation and I will go, oh, I can totally solve this. If not in this moment, I'll learn how to solve this. I'll figure it out. I always do. So I have this backup, I have this thing in my pocket I can pull out whenever I need it. It is incredibly effective to help me navigate my life. Because really, if I'm down on myself, if I'm thinking I'm an idiot, I'm probably not engaging in solving the problem. I might be, but I'm also probably not very effective. So having this positive self-talk, having this programmed mantra that I can bring to my daily life is incredibly important. It's automaticity. It's reflexive thinking. It just happens, but it happens because I practiced. It happened because I meditated regularly. It happened because I considered other automatic thoughts to help me get into a space where I could compensate in that way. Or let's not even call it compensation. That implies a negative connotation. Let's say it brings me to a place where I am more effective at dealing with whatever the circumstances that's in front of me. Whether it's a child and I'm a teacher and I'm trying to be calm and understand them, or I'm being frustrated, I feel disrespected, uh, I'm able to be present in a way that I wouldn't have been able to be present if not for that practice. There's also this tendency, I think, when I hear self-help gurus talk about affirmations like essentially people feel like they're lying to themselves i am wonderful i am beautiful and gosh darn it people like me well that may not be true it may be true that no one likes you right now <laughs> that may be a result of actions that you take in your everyday life and my personal opinion is when you lie to yourself 
you lose trust in yourself. When you repeat these messages that aren't true, you're not actually solving the problem, you're just covering it up. So you need to find something that is not simply self-soothing, that is not self-deluding, that is not like this strange thing we tell ourselves just to salve the wound, because truly we're not salving the wound. Salving the wound implies that it's going to heal. Lying to ourselves is not going to heal the wound. When people talk about the secret, I think it's typically incredibly misunderstood. And I'll do a separate podcast or even series of podcasts about the secret and my opinion of how people use the secret. Because I think very, very often there's this tendency to cover up your internal, real, true thought. And if you really believe in the secret, if you really believe in attracting things to yourself, then the thought that you're denying is the thought that's acting in your world. Just consider that for a minute. I heard a story of someone who was looking at their workout space and there was tape on the ground, not because it was taping off cords, but because the flooring was coming apart. And the owner was being convinced by their coach at the time that, oh, you shouldn't worry about the floor. You should just be thinking about um, attracting the best clients with positivity. And you're getting so negative thinking about that floor that you shouldn't even think about that. I call bullshit. It's no surprise that that person's business kept declining because they weren't addressing the real issue, right? Part of client experience is dealing with that floor. Part of that is recognizing your negative thought, uprooting it, examining it, and releasing it. It's not covering it up with positivity. My opinion, I could rant for a while on that, but let's just step back. When we talk about resistance and grasping, that's what we're talking about. Resisting a negative thought or grasping for a positive thought. That's not centered that's not present. So when I talk about mantras, when I talk about any type of affirmation and someone says, well, I don't believe that. I'm like, okay, there's a difference between not believing it and lying to yourself. Find something as close to something you believe as possible and practice with that. Don't lie to yourself. Don't tell yourself some bullshit line. Get yourself as close as possible to a truth that you believe in or can believe in or can borrow the belief in to work with that. That's going to get you a long, long way. So that is a fair amount of what I do in my coaching practice. If you want to know what that feels like, if you want to know what it feels like to shift your perspective, to shift your frame, to be able to see a different possibility, it starts with reframing your beliefs. It starts with understanding there is another way to look at what you're going through that is equally true, if not more true, that will help you through that circumstance. So finding a mantra, finding self-talk that works for you, that's believable to you, that is separate from the negative self-talk you currently have, key key, super duper, a number one important in how you progress in your personal practice. I will definitely be talking more about resistance and grasping. I'm definitely be talking more about perspective. I'm definitely be talking more about self-fulfilling prophecies uh, as we continue in this podcast together. It might show up in very subtle ways. It might show up in very obvious ways, but my personal belief is that this is at the core of all self-work finding out how you can be with yourself, finding out how you can be with yourself when interacting with others, because wherever you go, there you are. Doesn't matter who you're talking to, 
It doesn't matter what the circumstance, you are still there. And if you find things in your life repeating, you might consider it's because you are in that circumstance. So I hope to talk to you guys again very soon. Uh, in fact, I don't just hope, I know I'll be talking to you again very soon. Uh, I look forward to our further conversation and I hope you have an absolutely wonderful day, week, month, whatever, until the next time I hear from you. All right. Thanks so much. Bye. And here's a little preview of what's coming up next week. My guest is Moon Amin. He's an actor, model, hip-hop artist, and physical trainer. And uh, we've known each other for nearly 33 years. Way too fucking long. Super, super long time. Super long time. I'm so excited to be able to hang out with him tonight and chat uh, about the, the ownership of growth. Like the show? Consider subscribing through my Patreon at patreon.com slash lifecoachingwithryan. You'll get early access to shows and potentially a host of other rewards. Want more? You can also find me streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv slash lifecoachingwithryan, where I play some games and I continue the conversation. I'm pretty active on Instagram. You can find me at instagram.com slash educate for the number four underscore life. That's where I do my book club. I record the book club episodes live on Mondays, and then I post them to IGTV. Later, I post them on YouTube. See you next time.